So there are three things I want to talk about related to Jesus being baptized. And so my homily is going to be a little different that it's going to be a catechesis for a little bit in, in a very didactic way. So this is what I would do if I was teaching a class in RCA on baptism. So the first question is, what is baptism? Baptism is a sacrament that uh, does two things. It removes a person's original sin and any actual sin that has been acquired to that point. Now, as soon as we're baptized, we, because of our nature being fallen, we fall back into actual sin. But it actually removes original sin and any sins that we had intentionally committed up to that time. The second thing that it does is it makes us children of God, or is that it makes us, it unites us to God in a way, gives us access to God and makes us a member of his family. So this uh, next question then comes in, well, then why does Jesus get baptized? Jesus has no sin whatsoever, and he is God. He doesn't have to worry about his communion with God. So the reason why Jesus gets baptized is because he's uh, leading by example of the importance of baptism. So he is saying, this is so important that I who don't need it, I'm going to get into this water to set this example for all of you to follow. So that's number one. Uh, The second is that uh, Jesus is sanctifying the water. When we get baptized, it's the water that sanctifies us. But in this case, the sanctifier, Jesus, sanctifies the water. And so in some ways, there's kind of a parallel between Jesus at the Last Supper and the First Mass. He's saying, do this in remembrance of me with regards to the Holy Eucharist, taking that bread and that wine, sanctifying it, making those elements something that will be a grace for generations to follow. The same is happening when he enters into the water. He sanctifies water for baptism. Sort of another sort of um, an analogy of this or a connection to this is where the column of fire with the people of the Jews who are enslaved in Egypt, uh, Moses is leading them out of Egypt. He leads them away from the Nile. He gets through some desert, reaches the Red Sea, and there's this column of fire that's there. And then the column of fire moves, and it shows Moses and the people where to cross the, the Red Sea at. And then the column of fire moves through the Red Sea, parting the, the, the walls of water on either side. And then the column rests on the other side, on Sinai. And this is where Moses and the others pass through the Red Sea, out of slavery, into freedom. Well, the column is God. It's the word of God before he is incarnate. When they get over to the Sinai, Moses will say to God, he says, I want to see you. God says, you can't see me and live. And God kind of goes, well, okay, listen, I'll walk by and then I'll let you see the backside of me. So the word, Jesus is not yet incarnated. He is not yet a man. And so, uh, but this is a prefigurement of what he's going to be doing a thousand years later in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary and being born to the world. And so he walks past Moses, and Moses sees the backside of him. But the word has been operative. So the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the one triune God eternally, the word has been operative from the beginning, working with the human race, Jesus, uh, to bring about, ultimately, the salvation of the human race. 
So in that same kind of way where the word Jesus or God is this pillar of fire and is moving and parting water and bringing people, delivering people out of sin and slavery to purity and freedom, same kind of concept with Christ in the water, with what the water will now do for these people. This all leads now to our third question. Why are we having the baptism of Jesus as a 30-year-old man one week after Jesus was a baby in the manger with the three magi? Why is kind of this whiplash thing going all the way from this Bethlehem to Jesus suddenly is a man being baptized in the River Jordan? And, and I think this is a new creation, or this is one that started only in the 60s or 70s sort of thing. But the idea is the connection between water and birth, or baptism and birth. So in baptism, we're reborn, and this is the word language that Jesus will use regarding baptism. He'll say, unless you are born again of water and the Spirit, you will not have eternal life. So two things there. One is the importance of baptism. If we want salvation, then we need to get baptized. And that sort of that's a mystery, what's going on there. But the other part of that is he uses that phrase, born again. It's as if there's a new creation in those who are born. And so this is why the church puts these two events, the 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 um, Jesus being born very recently with Jesus and baptism is this concept of rebirth. It doesn't do anyone any good to be born into the world only to spend eternity in hellfire. That's, that's no way to live. But to be born again in baptism so now we can access heaven, now that's something very, very important. All right. There is now also too in... so we made that connection. But then there's this second connection with Epiphany specifically in the baptism of the Lord. And the second connection is this, that, that uh, with Epiphany, or with Christmas, let's say, uh, Jesus is born a man. He is born a man. And today, in his baptism, it's this concept of being reborn sacramentally. And then with regards to Epiphany, we have the Blessed Virgin Mary and the three Magi, and the Blessed Virgin Mary presenting the baby Jesus to the three Magi. And remember the three Magi and Epiphany being a Greek word for manifestation or revelation. The Magi are non-Jews, and so Jesus, even as a baby, is being presented to the nations, to the whole world, this is your Messiah. Even though he'll spend his whole life in a Jewish context in in ministry to the Jews, he's looking over their shoulder at all the nations. I'm coming for all of you. Here in the baptism in the River Jordan, the Father says, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. The Father is revealing Jesus to the whole world. This is the one. This is the one. So, these are the reasons why we have the baptism of the Lord immediately following the, the epiphany, etc. So what does this mean for me and you? What does this mean for us? Well, I think that the first thing that it does is it gives us an opportunity to reemphasize the importance of baptism. In honestly, I hate to kind of get into a, 
a, a thing of juxtaposing one sacrament to another, but baptism is the most important sacrament. We cannot receive any of the other six sacraments until we've received baptism. And so in that way, baptism is the gateway into the theme park in which we can access many different things. But the other is, it's baptism, as Jesus says, which is necessary for salvation. So we need to take stock of this great sacrament of baptism. This is incredible. What, what, is, this, what is this thing? What this sacrament does is it opens up a portal between heaven and you that enables each one of us to become gods, to become like God, to become a saint is the parlance or the word that we would use today. It doesn't mean that we will become that, but it makes it possible that we can become that. And if you're not baptized, you can't. So think that through. If there are 7.4 billion people in the world and maybe 1.4 billion have been baptized, maybe, then that means that there are 6 billion people in the world who just don't have the access to God that you've got. Now, we generally take our access to God for granted. We just go, oh, yeah, God, yeah, you're always there, whatever sort of thing. But imagine what that would be like not knowing God at all and not ever being able to have your sins removed, not being able to, to be in communion with him. You could have information about him, but then the demons, the fallen angels, have more information than, than any of us. But there's no communion between them and God. Baptism allows that to take place. It reminds me of that, the, the trip that I had just a few weeks ago and going to visit Noah's Ark. <clears throat> All the different things that you could partake of, but you've got to get into the park. You've got to get in. And this is what baptism does. <clears throat> My homework for after this Sunday is to go back and find out the date in which I was baptized. I've seen it before, but I've never quite remembered it. I know it was very shortly after my birth, or only a week or two after my birth, so that makes it a little bit easier. But when we think in terms of the most significant, important days of our life, one would be our conception, which probably none of us know the date of our conception. We might be able to ballpark it, but the moment in which we were created in our mother's womb, the, the day of our birth, which we all know, and baptism, and baptism, the day in which we became children of God and gained access to eternal life. The next most important day might be matrimony, if you're married, or in my case, the day of my ordination, etc. And then beyond that, it's the day of our death. It's the day of our death, when we enter into eternal life, for good or for ill. I'm in Exodus 90 right now, which is a, a program. It's ostensibly for men, although women could do it too. There's a program for women called Magnify 90, and at least 30 women of the parish are in that, and at least 10 men of the parish are in Exodus 90 with me. It's kind of hard to say exactly how many, because some people are kind of going solo on this sort of thing, and so we don't have too much tracking with everybody sort of thing. But in Exodus 90, the concept there is going back to Exodus and Moses leading the people of Israel out of slavery to sin in Egypt, or rather out of slavery in Egypt. 
to freedom. And the, the metaphor there is Exodus 90, 90 days of leading someone out of whatever it was that bound us. Whatever bad habits, whatever psychological hang-ups, whatever sins, etc. Bind us and taking us into a better place, into a promised land. And I, you know, in reading through the materials, I've got daily reading that I'm, I'm supposed to be doing, etc., it kind of dawned on me. I knew I knew I had a few bad habits, but in reading through this, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, there's more there than I realize. Uh, just as the people in Egypt and being bound in their situation did not realize how bad they had it, they even reached a point in places where they outnumbered the Egyptians, but the Egyptians were still able to rule over them. Why didn't they break free? Why didn't they overthrow their taskmasters? Why didn't they much, much years, much earlier demand that they leave and just get up and go? There's something about sin that blinds and imprisons and paralyzes. And we need the grace of God to break free. Baptism has given each one of us the grace of God to break free. And not just of sin but to break into grace, to break into where we want to be, which is an incredible thing. I mean, most of us, I think, can identify the bad habits and the psychological problems that we have and the the sin of our lives, etc. But I don't know that we can sort of visualize or articulate where we want to be, what we want to replace all those things with. And the grace of baptism gives us that chance. For six billion people in the world, at least six billion people in the world, there really is no chance. There really is no chance. For them, power is just politics. There's no power from above. Or if they think that there is power from above, it's not acting in them individually. It's acting corporately or out there. You and I have been reborn with Christ in those waters in the Jordan River. Reborn that we might be set free of whatever it is that binds us. And that we might reach a great promised land. Today, take stock of that. Think about that. Maybe pray about that. Thank God for your baptism. And maybe find out when you were baptized. Because that was the day in which the heavens opened up and said, This is a child in which I am well pleased.